Hi, this is Sedge Thompson. Welcome to this special audio highlights podcast from West Coast Live. For more information about our shows and other guests and podcasts, wcl.org. The Big Red Book. The Great Masterpiece Celebrating Mystical Love and Friendship by Rumi. How do we understand this? Who brings it to us from the Persian? Will you please welcome the translator, the man who's been bringing the poetry of Rumi, the best-selling poet in the English language. I understand it. We please welcome Coleman Barks, the poet for West Coast Live. What a blessing to have spent so much time in this work. Yeah, it really is. Uh, 34 years. For some reason, it keeps unfolding. I don't get bored with it. I may be simple-minded, but uh, it, uh, it keeps me interested. What was your first encounter with the poetry of Rumi? And, and for people who might not know it, uh, you know, the, in the history of this person, we're talking about, about the 1300s? 13th century uh, mystic, Jalaluddin Rumi. And the first time I ever heard his name was at a conference that Robert Bly officiates at. You know, Robert, yeah. Uh, in the first of June first week of June, uh, for the last, gosh, since about 1976, or, f- for, or before that. Um, and Robert, um, it really is a conference about what Robert's been reading lately. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and that, that, in 1976, was uh, some uh, translations by the Cambridge Islamicist A.J. Arbery uh, of Jalaluddin Rumi. And he, he thought it would be a good afternoon exercise to rephrase those scholarly translations uh, and, and into something um, more lively in the Whitman tradition of American literature, our best uh, spiritual searching tradition. Um, and so uh, we did that uh, for an afternoon. And uh, I it really, I felt like I entered some new region. And so I took the book, he said, he gave me the book, and he says, uh, these, these poems need to be released from their cages, you know. Yeah. yeah. And so... Uh, it means, he saw something in you. I don't know what the, how that works, yeah. yeah. But uh, he, he did that with, uh, what, uh, with uh, Donald Hall's wife and Anna Akhmatova, Jane Kenyon, yeah. He saw something in Jane that would, would, and put her on to... Um, translating in, in that same way. Uh, that is, I was 39 at the time, way too late to learn the language. And besides, I'm lazy. <laughs> so, so that's a difficulty. <laughs> so how'd you start to make your way? Um, I just started um, every afternoon after I finished teaching three classes a day at the University of Georgia. I would go up to the Bluebird Cafe and um, order hot tea, and uh, just sort of gaze at, at one of the poems and try to then rephrase it onto their um, ordering pads. Um, uh, these, uh, I still have those uh, things. Was it something about the size of the ordering pad, the lines on them? That... I don't, there was the only paper I had. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, uh, it was such a relief and a relaxation, you know, to, to not have to explicate anymore to somehow, I realized these were poems that you couldn't say, re-say their meaning. You couldn't explicate them, you just had to uh, inhabit them somehow. 
The Water Wheel, Stay Together Friends, Don't Scatter and Sleep, Our Friendship is Made of Being Awake. Yeah, right. There's, there's, yeah, there's some uh, kind of connectivity that he, he talks about. He calls it friendship, and it's very difficult to explain. Uh, it's not a relationship. He says, try to fall in love in, in a way that frees you from any connecting. Connecting? Fall in love in such a way that frees you from any connecting. What happened then to uh, country music? <laughs> it's gone out the window, you know? <laughs> there's no relationship. In this love, there's no relationship. It becomes, he says, what anybody says. It just becomes an atmosphere you walk around in, a friendliness, a friendship. You inhabit it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when, you, when you would look at these, I mean, would there be some that would just sort of feel immediate and others were a struggle? That's right, yeah. There, there are different tones. Uh, I think they had to do with... He, all of these poems were spoken spontaneously as part of the work he was doing with a, a learning community about this size as your audience. And uh, uh, they all have to do with opening the heart and with various questions that individuals would, might have or that the group might have. And he was addressing those concerns uh, in, uh, in his uh, poems. And so it might have been done telepathically, you know? that he was picking up on something somebody. Have you ever seen anybody work like that? I had a teacher that, that did that. His name, yeah. His name was? Bawa Muhayadeen. Yeah, a Sri Lankan Sufi. There was a, uh, a psychologist uh, named Milton Erickson who was kind of able to do that, and he had something called brief therapy. He'd kind of look at somebody, and instead of you know, years of therapy, I mean, he, he would sort of know what to do. He was a man who was in a wheelchair. Right. Anyway, he had that kind of ability. Yeah. Not, not a poetical kind of ability. Well, it, it turned out in Rumi's case, it was a poetry that the uh, therapy came out in, though that the uh, um, attention to soul growth. You say here, a, a friend and I once lengthened the list of the names of God. Right. Green Beans, Mozart, Van Morrison, the Brooks Range, Namer of Cheeses, Schwinn, Andante. The playing went on to find a temporary resting point when we began substituting the word lunch for the word love in popular songs. All you need is lunch. Lunch, lunch me do. But will you lunch me tomorrow? Lunch is in the air. Lunch is in the air. Yeah, that's my favorite. Um, that, that was the Laudin Matthew. And uh, uh, yeah, so you, you can just lengthen the names of God. It turns out to be anything that you see or do. <laughs> You know, uh, my friend Stephen Dunn says, yes, there is another world, and this is it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're living, we're, oh, that is a great uh, Sufi joke about theology. It said there was a school of fish that liked to group together and divide into study groups and try to determine uh, if, there, if the ocean existed. <laughs> you know, and they're swimming in it, you know, that's... That's the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know that the Sufis had theological jokes. But it's it's just that one. Oh, just that one. <laughs> 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 
Too vast for partnership. Will it be better for us when we dissolve into the ground or worse? Let's learn now what will happen. This is lover's work, to break through and become the earth, to die before we die. Hmm. Well, all the religions say that, don't they? You have to be born again. Uh, you have to somehow dissolve the small self into the larger self. And uh, Demolition is the work <laughs> of the ego, you know? We have some sense of when we're acting from the ego and when we're not, you know. It's uh, all your guests are just hilarious because they, they're, they're not in their ego. They're just uh, in that laughter. All the guests today that I've heard, you know, yeah, beautiful people. Yeah. They all are. They really are, yeah. The, uh, Except for me. I'm, 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 I'm acting out of, I'm scared. You're acting out <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you don't seem scared. Uh, it's inner fear. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you've got this—you've got this learned Sufi teaching, the poet of of Rumi, to calm you. Should work that way, shouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe I haven't quite assimilated it. <laughs> After thirty-four years, what hope for the rest of us who are just encountering him for the oh, first time? You know? Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, have you traveled? To the land of Rumi, to Af Afghanistan, to the old Persian? Yeah, I have. Um, Did it help you understand uh, the poetry in a different way? It gave me a feel for how a culture can really assimilate a poet and not just have... Poetry is so marginal for... Uh, on, in our culture, isn't it? I mean, it's on the radio in Afghanistan. They have, they have rooms in their houses that are just for poetry. You walk down these little steps and there's a round room in the middle of the house and it's poetry, you know, no furniture, just a little stove. And you sit there. Uh, I mean, I want one, don't you? <laughs> why, why don't we hear about that on the news? <laughs> I don't know. That's a, that's yeah. a very good question, yeah. That there are poetry rooms in the houses. Yeah. And the poetry is just part of their speech. You know, they quote lines of poetry. And, uh, and they're always quoting Rumi, yeah. I, I gave a reading at the, in the Ministry of Culture in Afghanistan in March 2005. The uh, State Department, in their wisdom, decided I needed to go over there. And... Uh, and I didn't know any better, so I was the first speaker there in 25 years. And uh, there were a whole lot of uh, automatic weapons around me, you know, <laughs> and Brits, you know, saying, I've got the poet, you know. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, so I, I found myself reading a, a poem in uh, uh, the Ministry of Culture. Uh, do, uh, do we have a Ministry of Culture? Yeah. Not, not in this land. Wait, 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 quick question. How much time do we have left, Ron, on the air? We have 30 seconds left. <laughs> anyway, I can't tell that story. I mean, that's too, too much. Yeah. Um, but thank you for, for having me. You're, uh, you're brave to talk about mysticism on, on radio. Well, you're the one talking about it. Ah, that's right. <laughs> Coleman Barks, translator of Rumi. That's today's West Coast Live. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll be back next week. Safe journey. We're at WCL.org. This is Edge Thompson. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Try out others from West Coast Live. 
right here, and we look forward to having you in one of our audiences one day. For more information, wcl.org.